Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the 3 and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the 3 and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Thank you, Michael. All right, guys, uh, my fellow prognosticators, we are T-minus 24 hours away from the start of the 2021-22 NBA season. Uh, this, of course, guys, is the time where all the experts are weighing in, using logic and reason, to make their sharp, shot-in-the-dark guesses sound sensible. <laughs> I had trouble getting that phrase out. So we, we, make, we all use a very deep analysis to explain our predictions, and then months down the road we realize, in the words of the great William Goldman, that no one knows anything. <laughs> as we truth. Amen. Amen. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Mr. Goldman. With the exception of us, guys, because... You might recall from last year, those of you who are new wouldn't get this, but Michael and Ryan knew the Wizards would be the number eight seed last year. <laughs> and I knew Brilliant. that there was <laughs> there was something going on with the Atlanta Hawks, that uh, they were not a fantasy team, uh, Michael, <laughs> as you labeled them at the time. But uh, just, so. Lloyd Pierce was the problem, right? <laughs> exactly. Nate saved the day. So that should be enough of a sample size to prove our expertise, right, guys? Oh, of course. Okay. So on that note, we're gonna we're gonna jump right into it. Uh, we are gonna go through, of course, the respective conferences. We are gonna talk about our MVP, our Rookie of the Year, first coach fired, Coach of the Year, NBA champion, of course. So let's go with the conference where our champions came from the eastern conference so how we're going to do it guys is we we're going to go around i'm going to kick it to michael first and michael you are going to give us real quick guys do we want to go in reverse order or are we going number one and then descending order Ooh, i, I think we go top to bottom let's okay. do it all right we're starting with number one so michael you will give your number one and then we will uh explain where we have that team ranked as well so we'll just go we'll go around a little bit and uh we'll see where it leads what leads us so michael who do you have as the number one seed in the eastern conference i have the milwaukee bucks as the number one seed shocking i really do think i mean it's (laughs) funny right these guys you know i was looking at this 372 days ago the, the Los Angeles Lakers were winning the, t- the bubble title, you know, their, their Disney wow. championship, which wow. is wild to me that we're now start. We've completed an entire season, 72 games of regular season and the playoffs, and now are uh, on the eve of beginning another season. But it's, it's just so crazy to me that the, the, the change in perception that this Bucks franchise and the players on the team have gone through over the last year plus. I mean, that they were coming off of back-to-back playoff disappointments, right, into this last season, and then and then something changed that we've all talked about ad nauseum. But it feels like 
the Bucks are well positioned to to make a second run. I mean, to come back full circle. Obviously, they still have some challenges in in their roster construction, but it just what I imagine this Bucks team is playing looser, freer, and and more into their strengths. And probably none of that even matters to given that Giannis might be actually good at shooting now, which he's been in the preseason so far. So all that to say, I have the Bucks in the one seed. Where do you guys have the Bucks? I have them in the one seed as well. Um, and for me, that um, begins and ends with Giannis. I'm, I'm really feeling a lot of uh, Jordan summer of 92 vibes from Giannis. Um, he's won the title. He's the, you know, I mean, is he going to take that next step and be the definitive best player in the league? He may already be, I think, you know, Durant's right there. Um, you know, you might have Doncic kind of in the next group or Jokic, but is he going to be that guy? Um, and from the preseason, like to Michael's point, he's definitely shooting, being aggressive. Um, so you could see him taking that next step, which is amazing considering he went for like 50 <laughs> deciding game of the I finals. <laughs> uh, and you're like, maybe he could do more. And I think, uh, so he doesn't have the third best player in the league, you know, like Jordan did in 92. Um, but he has two guys that he can go to war with. And when you have that, you can mix and match the rest of them. So, um, and I think the way he plays regular season is is like LeBron has played, like um, you know Kobe, George, like those guys who just they want to put it out there every night, and they're not. Um, maybe LeBron does not fully belong in that group, but <laughs> as I think about it, but you know, like the, he has that Jordan esque piece of just like he's going to compete every night, and he wants to win every night. So I think that lends itself. Uh, to the very least, a lot of regular season success. So, D, where do you have the Bucks? All right, we got a consensus. I also have uh, the Milwaukee uh-oh. Bucks. They're, they're toast. They're toast. <laughs> they're toast. So I remember from the Giannis book, uh, one of the things that that, that Marin wrote, um, and always still remember it when Co- when he met with Kobe. Uh, I think it was after a game, and it was like one of a, a personal highlight for Giannis, just being able to get a little private time with Kobe. And Kobe told them, play as hard as you can until the day that you are done playing basketball. And I think that Giannis really is taking that to heart, meaning that there will be no complacency. Winning a title it, it does not diminish his hunger, his energy. Uh, so I don't, and since he is the leader, of course, of uh, on that team for on multiple levels, I think the rest of the team will, will follow suit. Uh, I kind of like some of the pieces they added. Um, again, it's those guys aren't going to be the difference makers, but even uh, Grayson Allen, uh, Rodney Hood, I think he might be hurt, but he's uh, no one's talking about him much, but he's on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to that point. I mean, there was an anecdote from the summer he was working out in Greece and, and his, I think one of his trainers was repeatedly calling him champ. And he and Giannis asked him to stop calling him champ mm. under the basis that he didn't want to get complacent with his, which feels so on brand. Um, yeah. and, and again, I think Ryan, you hit, hit it on the head. It just feels like Giannis may come out and just, you know, put the league on notice that 
that what happened in the back half of the playoffs was not an aberration, but uh, he's here to stay. All right, so we all got Milwaukee, number one. Ryan, to you for your number two team. Uh, the number two spot, I'm sure it's uh, the same as the rest of us. I have the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> I, I really believe in Ball. Uh, he's going to have an excellent season, and um, I like their bench. And uh, Gordon Hayward's going to stay healthy. I think this year I'm counting on it. So, yeah, I have the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Um, don't you guys? I like that you stuck with that for the for the whole <laughs> I bit. I, I mean, just <laughs> carrying it. Carrying it to yeah, the I mean, end, the impressive. The interesting part of this discussion is going to be who, when we get to the you know the third part of the predictions about our Eastern Conference champion. Um, so yeah, I have the Nets here, just like the rest of us, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I think between the Nets and the Bucks, I do think this is the part where the Kyrie situation impacts it, just because if they had him, they would have a much higher probability of having two of their the top guys in every game. And I think that would really help them because you could see them, I think, and you can still see it. Like you could see them being kind of on a mission, um, like for Harden and Durant to show what they can do together. And so I think that's the use case or the argument for them to go number one. But I just, I don't, I see them sort of managing things, you know, more likely to have, just as long as they avoid the bucks, I think in the semis then i think they'll be comfortable going to the conference finals against them assuming both teams end up there i mean the challenge with james harden i mean he hasn't been on a mission since like 2014 so <laughs> it's only been on a mission in the evenings uh it, it's i think for me that the nets in the two seed i felt comfortable putting them there simply because of their depth i mean they do have a lot of of rotational players you know legit nba players right i mean there's there is something to be said i don't have to play any bad players right any any negative below replacement level players and i think the nets roster is constructed in that way that even if you know harden or or durant for whatever reasons are unavailable or obviously Kyrie doing what he's doing i mean they just have a lot of guys they can throw out there and i think they're going to continue to kind of be the juggernaut that that we saw much of the the season the back half of last season i mean they they made a run for the one seed last year with all the challenges they had where the big three only played eight games together so i just think there there's a lot to be shown and i think obviously you know kd primarily to me is is a really interesting sort of inflection point as 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 his career goes because you know he comes to brooklyn with with kyrie obviously everything's happened there and now it's him and Harden, and I think he's often considered in the same breath as Giannis, but I think I wonder how personally he takes that, sort of how much from a legacy perspective he feels the onus to really kind of put his mark on the season, right, as an opportunity to really establish that, you know, I almost beat the champs in the second round basically by myself, uh, you know, how much better will our team be with, with, with a, with a reasonable supporting cast around me? So, uh, I, am I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this Nets team to see how it kind of comes together and to see Durant, you know, be fully himself. Yeah. Uh, shocking here, but I'm also going with Brooklyn. Uh, you got, you got two MVP candidates. 
you've got enough complementary pieces uh, to fill in the gaps there. So uh, we'll be obviously uh, delving into them a little more further. I don't have much more to say on it now. Uh, but remember what Durant told Letterman. He's going to give 110% this year. So he is uh, all <laughs> And he will not be playing at all for the New York Knicks, uh, despite what the Dolan... I'm sorry, that was the most underrated part, is when Letterman started the question with, I just got off the phone with the Dolan family. I mean, come on, what a setup that is. <laughs> he is an NBA fan. I knew it. I knew it. He's so let's hope, uh, <laughs> let's hope uh, uh, Harden takes really good care of his hamstring. But uh, we all got Brooklyn, so we're all on the same page for the first two picks. Now is when things will start to get interesting. So... I guess I'm up. I think this might... I don't know if this will be surprising. I'll be very curious to see where you guys have them. But I actually have the Boston Celtics at uh, number three. (laughs) So I think they needed something new. The coaching change. But you didn't get rid of... uh, Didn't they call him Mr. President uh, as a nickname, Brad Stevens? Uh, You still have him in the building. He now, I guess, literally is the president of Celtics, GM president. Um, he, I think he made some nice moves. I think he's got uh, a coach that's bringing some some new life, new energy. And I just like uh, some of the pieces. I, I, I guess I think that uh, Tatum and Brown can can be a, a cohesive one, too. And uh, Schroeder, uh, our Oregon Ducks player, backup Pritchard. I don't know if we'll get many minutes with, uh, with Marcus Smart there, but... Uh, but I kind of like their bigs. Robert, Robert Williams, yeah, if you can learn Williams. to stay out of foul trouble. Time Lord. I didn't realize that nickname. <laughs> I only learned about that recently because he missed his like press conference. And you still picked him third. <laughs> <laughs> he is still a little bit raw, but the talent is there. So he, Time Lord drove Stevens to the front office. <laughs> he <did. laughs> He's like, we joked about it before, but he gave him the big contract and said, Amy Adoka, it's your problem now, man. <laughs> but now he's got also Al Horford mentoring him too, which uh, I don't know what we'll exactly we'll get from him, but I think there will be some, some contribution there. So uh, I like what they've done. I think they're going to be, um, they're going to be a contender in the East. What do you guys got? Where do you have the Celtics? So, I, you know, the that that pick to me, I think three, when I look at that roster, I, I am excited about it. I'm pretty intrigued. I think the depth there, I think Josh Richardson, despite his challenges the last few years, I think is an interesting guy. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't quit him, uh, unfortunately, I, for myself, I guess. Um but I guess what I find myself being concerned about it is I it just the, the lack of productivity that this team and output this team has had over the last couple of seasons, despite I think this pretty similar roster construction. I mean, you see the smart Brown Tatum kind of triumvirate there gives me some pause, especially with all of the, the, the front office and coaching changes. You kind of wonder what. Is it is it a toxic environment that sort of led to that, or is it something that actually came out of some some degree of health? I don't I don't know. I had them in the fifth seed because I kind of split split the difference on it. To be really honest, <laughs> I, I I could see it kind of going towards you know the bottom of the the playoff race, kind of like it happened last year. Uh, and I could also see them in three. So I, I don't I don't think that's necessarily a hot take that you put them in the in the three slot. Um, 
particularly with just how much Tatum and Brown have improved over the years, that if they continue to make steps forward, you know, that's what's ultimately going to drive these guys, this team into into a, the echelon that I think we all expected them to be a few years ago. So um, I had them in the in the fifth slot, and I don't feel great about it. <laughs> right? Where did you have them? You don't feel great about having them low or too high, too low, <laughs> or anywhere, either one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have them fourth, so right in between you guys. I think for all the reasons you've talked about, I I do think you know, one hope is that Yudoka can get them at least the top two guys to kind of play a little bit more uh, flow basketball. Um, I mean, I think you know Brian Scalabrini criticized them, you know, criticized. Um, top two guys because of their you know kind of getting in their bag I think you referred to that as like getting to their pull-up game and step backs and you know Tatum and Brown doing that so I think if they can get it maybe just having some better players around them where they can feel comfortable sharing the ball I think you know Williams can pass Horford's a great passer so hopefully they can run a little more high low than they did um you know last year um, I think moving off Kemba, Kemba was really like a wounded player last year. I'm hoping he comes back for the Knicks and plays well, but, um, you know, he's not, um, he's, he's, uh, he really hurt them on both ends last year. So I, I think they'll be tough and I think, um, the depth will help them. I mean, I, it's funny you mentioned Josh Richards. I started to laugh when you talked about him, Michael, in terms of being a positive. But I do think if they can share the ball more, I think Josh Richardson played well in Miami in part because it was like, again, playing in flow and getting the ball in his hands. And, I, and he's definitely not a player to play off a ball-dominant player. I think that's what we've heard. So, again, if Tatum and Brown could be more in, you know, getting the ball, making three dribble moves as opposed to, you know, 10 dribble moves. I think that will help the rest of the team offensively. And maybe Udoka can get them going more the old Spurs way on that. We're not talking about Enos Cantor enough. We don't think he's an X factor. <laughs> he's, he's got a great knack, nose for the ball. Uh, remember he had a game last year where he had five blocks when he channeled his hitter, Bill Russell. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm actually surprised he went back there because Stevens did not seem to be much of a fan. He did not get a lot of minutes. Like the Blazers quickly may have made him like their they made him their starting center. I think multiple times. I mean, you know, I think yes, it's the heart grows fonder. Like you, you, you leave for a year and you're like, oh man, remember when he you know, broke his broke his shoulder against the Nuggets and still played and average double double that was amazing you lost the series but <laughs> <laughs> i'm holding out hope for a third return uh, for, from Cantor some point he's down really the road just like the child of divorced parents and he's just splitting households between boston and portland really pretty much i will i will never get over the fact that he committed to the university of washington basketball team we had him and terrence jones you know former first round pick long out of the league and Terrence Ross were all going to be in the same class together. It was like this one moment. Wow. We lost him. We lost the Porters. We're the worst team in the Pac-12. Our back football to back team seasons. lost to FCS team. It's tough, man. It's so tough Jones came to Oregon, right? No, he went to Kentucky. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Jones I'm sorry. with Kentucky, yeah. and then Cantor couldn't play because he was a pro in Turkey. He was like – I can't imagine, though, Cantor playing a year of college basketball – he probably would have averaged like twenty and twenty. Like, <laughs> can you imagine him in the post against guys? Oh, yeah. Like, he is just unstoppable. He came around like 
30 years too late. I mean, I think if he had played like in the 80s, he probably would have been an all-star. You know, because <laughs> he's yeah. like, it's just like that. you had like two post defenders. So, and they didn't run any pick and roll. So it's just, they could hide him a lot easier. Like there were guys who, big guys who could score, who didn't play great defense. It was just like, I mean, you play him next to Rick Mahorn or John Sally or any yeah. of those guys. And they can no. guard the good big guy. They can guard the bad big guy and rebound. Like okay. he, he would have been great. He would have been I mean, like. The real, the real what if is would he be on the, the NBA's releasing their 75th anniversary team of their top 75 <laughs> what do you players? Make, what does do you does Enos Cantor have made that team in what era? <laughs> yeah, I mean. I don't know. There's some guys who have lost. I mean, just the fact that he has to guard pick and roll. I mean, you just think of even 20 years ago with, you know, I mean, you had like six teams running the triangle, and that would have saved Cantor in and of itself. Yeah. Seriously. Oh, so. All right, who's uh, – Okay, I'm up. I'm, I'm up. up. I'm going to go in my third slot, given that uh, I had the Celtics in the five seed. So without further ado, I'm going to I'm going to flip backwards based on what I said last year. I have been one over oh, in the 3 seed. I ATL. have Derek Lovegren's Atlanta Hawks. Can you believe it, Derek? Oh. <laughs> what a difference a year makes. Here we are a year later. Assembled How does it feel? Convinced me. How does it feel, I, I think I feels great. team in the playoffs, honestly. It was just a remarkable change. Obviously, I think the regular season, you know, right, Lloyd Pierce, and they had a ton of injuries in the first half of the year. Pierce gets fired. McMillan takes over. And, you know, they start building something towards the end of the year, but still, you know, had their, their fits and starts, I think, much of the regular season, and largely due to these injuries. And then they, the roster started to coalesce towards the end of the year. And then you know, they running through the Knicks and then ultimately beating the Sixers and, and giving the Bucks a run to the point where before, you know, Trey got hurt in that series, I mean, we were all kind of looking around going, are the, are the Hawks really going to make the finals? Um, and they feel just like one of those ascendant teams that, again, I don't know if they're ever going to get over the hump to being in the inner circle of, of title favorites, but they have six, seven, eight, nine guys that are all high level basketball players. I mean, you know, Kevin Herter is like their seventh or eighth guy. I mean Kevin Herter would play thirty five minutes a game on the Lakers. So it's 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 remarkable that, you know, the roster that they've been able to construct that, that they've gotten criticized for a lot along the way, right? I mean Cam Reddish basically missed the back half of the entire of last season and then came in in the in the conference finals and played a relevant role, right? I mean, this is a guy who people weren't sure was going to get his his rookie extension. And so I just I'm I'm curious to see how the roster evolves. Uh, they're going to have to pick and choose some guys here in the next year, which is another interesting question for Atlanta. But you know what Trey Young has been able to pull off, particularly in the context of being traded for Luka Doncic. I mean, it's it's it could be it could be such a thing where you know his his career torpedo just because of the shadow he had to kind of live in, and instead you know it's still you don't make that trade again, but it's not nearly what it could have been. Right. And, and I think that is a, is a pretty fun kind of subplot as both Trey and Luca continue to grow as players over the next decade. So, I mean, really the biggest question for the Hawks is, is, is there's a new flopping rules in which an offensive player can no longer initiate contact, which has been dubbed the <laughs> Trey young rule. How much is that going to affect his offensive efficiency? 
and and will that uh, doom doom the Hawks? And I sure hope not, given that I have them in three seed. How are they gonna like? How are they gonna call that? I mean, I haven't seen. I guess are they are they? Have we have we seen a change in the preseason? Like I haven't seen. Like, I think I've heard it discussed yeah. as an unnatural motion. I mean, and that's obviously pretty vague. And but and like I, dribbling around, so like what he does is not. I mean, if he backs into someone, like if like if he dribbles and then stops and does the Chris Paul thing, where you kind of but like backs into them, trying to make them bump you. I get that, but like if you come off a pick and like the guy is racing to like recover and then you just stop and you don't do anything and they run you over, like I would love to get rid of that, but let's get rid of the charge too because that's the exact same thing. And it's like, it's a, the, if you want to get rid of an unnatural motion, get rid of the charge foul. That's the most unnatural thing to do in the NBA in basketball is just to stand in front of a jumping person. Like who does that? We want to, we want to reward it. Like, I think we get rid of the charge foul, and we we just make any foul that's not um, like this. It's in the backcourt um, or like outside of the three point line. Excuse me, is automatic two shots and then the ball. Because the like all of the um, and we get rid of the replay in the last two minutes. Like I want the games to go fast. Like get the um, get the Elam ending. And get rid of the replay and get rid of fouls, like giving fouls up. Like that stuff's all horrible. <laughs> like it's the stuff that like coaches, it's like the NFL competition committee. And it's always these like old battle axe coaches and general managers. And they never want to change anything. It's like, you know, I don't care if like, you know, Greg Popovich really loves to have the foul to give, like get rid of anything that gets rid of the flow of the game. Like basketball is the greatest game when the players are engaged and there's flow. And so my rant is over. And we're back after technical difficulties caused by Ryan's rant about banning the charge. <laughs> so Ryan back on topic, where do you have the Hawks in the Eastern conference? Well, my, my rant was self-serving because I also have the Atlanta Hawks, uh, in the third spot. Um, I, I really liked, uh, like everyone liked the way they looked down the stretch in the playoffs, but I think most of all it was seeing the way some of the younger guys fit in in, in spots that could really continue to grow um, in a winning way. And so I think, Michael, you mentioned Kevin Herter. You see it with John Collins. Like they just have some guys that are all like early to mid-20s who can fit in really uh, winning ways. And – they are doing the modern NBA thing where you have a dynamic score creator and then everything else sort of works around them and you just fit things in around them. And, you know, I think it's, it's obviously it's working. And I think again, Michael, your other point, it's, it's like, it's, it's crazy that that Doncic trade, um, you know, that they made and, it looks so bad a year ago, two years ago. And it'll be interesting to see if, if, if Young can sort of sustain what he showed last year. It's just it's just fascinating. And, I mean, Travis Schlink was – he was former Warrior assistant GM. And Jerry West loved that guy. He was, like, his favorite guy, according to Jack McCollum's book from a few years ago. And so um, so he's got the, the logo sign of approval and – 
I think his ability to hit, obviously Young is transcendent offensively, but the other guys they've they've brought in, um, again, to Michael's point, they've had a lot of depth, a lot of young guys to sort of sort through and see, like Herder they just gave an extension to. Um, you know, we'll see who else kind of, they, they extended Capella. Like they have enough guys um, where, um, like it'll just be interesting to see who else kind of comes through that. Um, you know, I, I, I was you know, obviously disappointed. I think it's Kongwu. I was really disappointed he got hurt because he looked amazing in the in the playoffs um, against Embiid and others. So they they have a lot of guys who can play. Well, DeAndre Hunter missed the entire playoffs. And he, yeah, he was like their third yeah. best player until he got hurt. Yeah, they have all these guys where like if one of like a Kongwu, Reddish, or Hunter becomes like like a better version of Herder, like a kind of that level or above player. Like that's really all they need with Collins and Young <laughs> and they have Bogdanovich, you have Capella, you know, it's just, they're in a really good spot. And um, I just think they can keep getting better. And I definitely, it wasn't like last year things hit their way. They, they really struggled early on and then, they started to get rid of them, but had a lot of injuries. And it just seems like young guys are going to keep getting better more than old guys. So well, and, uh, I, I have them third. Yeah, I just I, – I jump in because, D, I want to hear your perspective because they're, they're your darlings <laughs> last year. But I think – Out of the playoffs. But I think they're done. Like, I, I Nate McMillan, first coach fired. I kind of stand by <laughs> – seriously. I kind of stand by my perspective, right, that – I think there was something that really changed in this. I mean, John Collins was sort of everybody's favorite trade piece for much of last season, and now they just gave him, like, a near-max extension, right? I mean, and, and on apparently good terms. Like, it wasn't just, well, we need to keep the asset. It was, we're actually excited for John Collins to be around. John Collins' attitude changed. Like, Trey Young's playing style has evolved. Like, there was some real change in the in the franchise with some of the players and obviously the coaching staff that – feels like it leads it led into some some maturation that set them up for success alas d you're you know again your darlings are not your three seeds so where do you have the hawks well i just want a hot take is it all with the hawks so yeah no they're not gonna make the playoffs they're gonna be below 500 <laughs> you no. got a zig when no. we zag <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> worked for me so well last year uh but no yeah that's uh, ironic that you guys both have them just one spot ahead of me, but I do have them as number four. I did uh, initially. I was going to put them in three, but I just decided to go all in on Boston. Uh, but yeah, no, it seems like they're doing everything right, and Nate is the right guy to man the ship. He's learned how to relate to the millennials. If you remember <laughs> last year, he's like, "I'm not as hard. I'm not as tough. I, I listen. I'm, I'm nicer to him." Uh, now I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, I mean, they're 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 deep. I feel like last year, Ryan, you may have made a, you took a shot at uh, uh, G- Gallinari. You were like, who's the guy that you think is going to be the X Factor? Is it Gallinari? Like, I mean, <laughs> but hey, he only needs to be he like was. their ninth man. He was it. Yeah. 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 So he, play, he had a nice little role in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, DeAndre Hunter, I think he was impressive and uh, he's going to continue to grow. But and I picked, I picked John Collins in the fifth round of my fantasy draft last night. So I do believe in him. <laughs> I believe in these guys. Trey is maybe an MVP candidate. Long shot maybe, but uh, I mean, it was a pretty sweet run. I mean, Trey has won people over 
um, except Scott Wang. He is not. I, I tried to ask Scott why he picked uh, Beal over Trey Young in the early second round, and and then he added with him. Plus, I just don't like Trey Young, so he can't win <laughs> over everyone. I know Scott is listening, so a little no, shout Scott, out. I was going to make him. a vaccine comments, but but I'm, maybe we don't need to go there. <laughs> oh, <stop>. <laughs> <laughs> Nick I, I, I don't Shalom. have a response. I don't have a response for that. <laughs> uh, who's the? Uh, so that's my four. Okay, so Ryan, you're up next. Who do you have in your? Uh, you guys, you have the Celtics in your four slots. So who? Who's your next team up? Uh, my next team up is the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, yeah, I, w- I went back and forth on them. I think they're getting. Uh, I think they're, they're actually getting a lot of respect considering the whole Simmons situation and kind of where things stand with him and if he's going to do the hold in or if he's going to get back in. The, the, obviously, we've gone round and round on Simmons uh, the last few weeks, especially. The, I was thinking about today, though, I, I do kind of wonder if it would be – if the you know if it would sort of fit his personality if he just came back and played like it, nothing happened and just did his <laughs> normal thing. Like, it's just like he seems like he might be able to do that. It's like some people, like, they – or a certain, I, I don't know, he's just, it's a certain way. He just doesn't really care, it's, it looks like, it seems like. Like, he just didn't like, he doesn't like being there. He doesn't like being, you know, beat up on and bullied and criticized. But maybe he can come back and just kind of live in his own Ben Simmons world and just do his thing. Um, I think it was pretty close with me with, you know, obviously there's, there's the first tier of teams and they're in the next tier. But I think the the risk factor of Embiid, you know, missing some games, especially if the Simmons situation continues its course and he's he's not available or not fully engaged, then it just gets a little more risky. Um, but again, if if Simmons just reengages and Embiid stays healthy the whole year, they could, they're right there. They're probably the third team um, in that case. Uh, but where'd you guys have them? Well, and last year they would suggest that they were the one seed. I mean, that's the crazy thing yeah. to me is yeah. you know, there's not necessarily a material change outside of all the Simmons stuff. I mean, they right they've they got uh, Tobias Harris and Seth Curry. I mean, they've got the guys coming back around and bead, and you know, assuming they can play 65 games or whatever, they should be in the mix. I have them at the four seed because of that. But again, I mean, I just think it. They. This is another one of those teams that I don't could go so many different directions in terms of, you know, being in that upper tier or really taking a falling off. Right. I mean, if Embiid goes down, if Simmons the Simmons trade backfires or he holds in but doesn't play, again, there's so much uncertainty there right now that uh, I I had a hard time, you know, getting a beat on on my expectation for the Sixers. Yeah, I think we're all in the same boat on that one. I think that was a tough call. I, I also have him as number five. Um, I think, yeah, there's just so many unknowns. It's even If it's untenable with Simmons, obviously they can at least get some value uh, for him if they trade him, not as much as Maury uh, would like. But um, but obviously the, that team led the league and win, so... Hard to put him any any worse than five, um, but I don't think any of us probably feel great about that one. So, well, it would be interesting, like if 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 Simmons doesn't play or they make a trade, don't get full value back. 
which doesn't seem like Maury's going to do that. But it really comes down to, obviously, Embiid's health is the biggest thing. But then how good are Maxi and Thibel, right? Because if they're both, if they could both grow, kind of in the way we saw the Hawks, some of the Hawks guys grow and mature into, like, conference finals, finals type, you know, starters or strong role players, like, you know, those guys have a lot of talent. I mean, I know. I love Thibel. Thibel's your guy. It's not a matter of. Will he grow? Is Will Rivers play him the 30-plus minutes he deserves every night? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like Maxi and Tybal, and, you know, they both, I hope they get more run. I, I don't really understand how Shake Milton plays over those guys. Um, obviously, Curry will get his minutes. So, I, yeah, I think it's like, how does the Simmons thing work out? And then... What do those two younger guys do around Embiid? Because I mean, there is a world, right, where Simmons like doesn't he he holds in. They just don't play him. It's a standoff. And, and like if if Embiid stays healthy, and those couple guys grow into like legit starters, they could be really really good without Simmons. Like <laughs> I'm sure there's some like you know scenario planning that Maury's you know crack staff is doing where like. They could be like second in the East and get nothing from Simmons. Like I, that's probably an outcome that's possible. I mean, Embiid is that good. So I just think it's like if you don't have Simmons fully engaged, you're just your risk the like the, the low, you know, the low um, outcomes are more prevalent. So we'll see. All right, D. What do you got? What is, what's your next team? I think it's the sixth seed for you. Yeah, number six, I have the Miami Heat. Get out of here. <laughs> Shocker. I'm guessing you guys do as well. What we've learned from these last couple years if that is that if you have Jay Crowder on your team, you're going to the championship. You may not win it, <laughs> but you will go to the championship. Uh, so they have not recovered yet. Um, I'm going to say because, you know, they surprised us two years ago by making it to the finals. And then I think you called it, Ryan, actually. You, you said that there was a potential for things to go south, which, of course, they did. So I feel like it's going to be somewhere in between this year, like the replacements. I don't know if you know moving from Drogic to Lowry is, is really going to make much of a, of a change. Um, they seems like they're, they're wing defenders. That's, that's the weakness that they still have not uh, addressed. So they're asking a lot for Butler and so offended right now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, PJ Tucker, right. He, um, he can bring some defense, but yeah, we will not see him averaging above, you know, six points a game. I don't think so. (laughs) So it's a give and take, but, um, I think that, you know, there's a potential there, but it's hard to go all in on them. Um, obviously Boston's a team I'm more all in on. So, I think they're going to be stuck kind of middle of the pack in the East. But what say what say you, Michael? These are the this team to me is the has the biggest variance between my regular season prognostication and, and I think their potential to make fireworks in the playoffs. I just this this is a team I would not want to play in in a playoff series. I think they have a variety of defenders. They have a variety of of, of schemes they can kind of throw at you, both offensively and defensively. And also regular season-wise, they're a little long in the tooth. Um, they're going to have some prolonged periods, I think, of, of offensive challenge. I just think they're not going to ever score 
easily. And so a lot of their success is going to be predicated on defending at high levels consistently. And, I, and unfortunately, from a long regular season, I think much of that defending is going to rely on their on their big-ish three, right, which is Lowry, Butler, and, and Bam. And while Bam is young and, and has the legs and the energy to probably maintain something of that level and be elite in that way, you know, I don't know if Butler and Lowry can bring it on a night-to-night basis for – 75 80 games I, I just i'm skeptical that they have the ability to really push the push the the boundaries there and and frankly you know offensively my biggest concern is that they're sure looking you know tyler hero is playing a pretty marquee role in this offense here i think this year and and there's a lot of different opinions about his performance in the bubble and then also his performance last year and there's some defenders of that performance and, and also some skeptics i, I don't you know, I think Hero, I'm, I'm probably more on the skeptical side. So a lot of Tyler Hero doesn't make me all that excited about, about again, the Heat's outcome here. He's I, killing it in preseason. I toyed. I, I know, I know. And that's the thing. I mean, I've only seen Instagram videos of him at, at concerts. So I'm not totally sure. <laughs> I haven't seen him working out oh. on Instagram. So I don't know if that means he's not or what. Uh, no, I, I, I think... You know, I toyed for a second with dropping the Heat into the plan. And I, I ultimately kept him at six. But it, it does feel plausible that, that they dropped into that next tier in the in and around the plan just because of their age and, and their reliance on, again, sort of some challenging kind of offensive skill sets. So um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't not, I'm not all that high on the heat. But, Rye, where do you have the heat? Yeah, I have six as well. Uh, I guess similarly, at least to D. And, yeah, I think one really good thing – about them is that I think they've accepted that, you know, Jimmy Butler, you know, should be, you know, playing some, at least offensively as a four. Um, Tucker gives them some flexibility. He can guard, you know, some wings. He can guard big guys. You know, he played the center role for the small Rockets with Harden Westbrook. Um, so, you know, I, I wish Tucker was a little better shooter because I, I do think, you know, again, Jimmy at the four without a bayou at the five and then shooting around them is, like, really potent offensively. I mean, they're not going to run or anything, but, it like, that's pretty scary. But I think the problem was is, like, you know, here in Robinson can't defend to that level. And so I guess with Lowry, can you hide them? better than with Dragic. I think that's a big yes, definitely. So I think can that make up for it? I think that's the dynamic you got to follow. Um, I think if Tucker was a little younger and like a little bit better shooter, it goes to our point last week, like maybe if he was up, you know, he was shooting a higher percentage, at least from the corners and could actually, you know, score more than a couple buckets a game. I think it would really, really help them. But I, I think that's the question is like, does, can they play a lot of the big three with Hero and Robinson and like Lowry and Butler and Adebayo can cover for them defensively in a way that they can still be like a top to five defensive team. Cause you figure with Tucker in there and maybe Hero or Robinson, they probably are a top five defense just in terms of the, that, those three guys. And so could they stay in that top five to 10 range and put that shooting around Jimmy? But then you have to be okay with Jimmy Butler guarding power forwards and, 
I just don't think they've been comfortable doing that. And obviously that's not a good thing for him from like, I guess from a like wearing down perspective, um, he might be like, you know, have his, have his elbows on a, you know, on the gate underneath the hoop more often, like he did in the bubble and that uh, famous <laughs> photograph. So, uh, but it's 53 like, is not the best outcome. Yeah, no, it's just, I, I just think they got to play with the four. I think that's been the only way to do it. Again, my, my answer to everything is just go smaller, like with any type of basketball. So it's easier said than done when no one wants to play, like a go down a position, like, you know, Anthony Davis doesn't want to be a center. Like Jimmy Butler doesn't want to be a four, but I think they got Tucker in a way to kind of fool him into being a four, at least offensively, because Tucker's just going to stay in the corner. And so Jimmy will have the lane to do stuff in. I just don't think Tucker can draw enough coverage to like make that work. And so it's can they get Hero and, and Robinson um, lots of minutes with that five. And if they can do that, they could be really interesting. And I think Hero may bounce back a bit. Um and maybe a six-man role is a better, you know, role for him. Um, I mean, if he could create, if he could, and he's not going to do what he did in the playoffs, where he was really just he was just playing great, and I think unexpectedly great for people. People were ready for him last year, and they'll be prepared for him again this year. But if he can do, give them some creation to add on to Jimmy and and Lowry, I think that just could really help them too. But they only have six guys. I mean, I, I think they're trying to find some other guys, but. Like that makes it hard in the regular season. So that's why I have them at six. But to your point, Michael, they could be great in the playoffs. Um, but I think it really comes down, can Jimmy play the four uh, defensively? Because if he can, and they can be a top defense with those two shooters, then they could be really interesting. All right. Well, there's our top six. And I think there is, I don't know, for me at least, there was a pretty clear delineation with you know, uh, tiers here in terms of the top couple and then obviously the next four. And now we're, we're into where my my most fun thinking was, uh, you know, and, and ultimately where I landed, uh, as much as I wanted to put the Washington Wizards in the seven slot, I, <laughs> I did not, unfortunately. It's a I betrayal. Put the, the team that got you your legendary status oh as a gosh, prognosticator. Um, I put the Chicago Bulls in the seventh slot. I, I actually think they got quite competent uh, between, you know, the trade last year with the Magic that I didn't love, but I, I understand, you know, the the purpose, I guess, and and then signing Lonzo and DeRozan, you know, Vucevic and DeRozan, and obviously the the guy you know patrick williams i think is hurt right now but if he can come back right i mean they just have a variety of dudes there that can can play and can score and it for me particularly in the bottom half of the eastern conference when i look at the chicago bulls i'm just kind of go oh this is their strategy was to get back to the playoffs now they're going to get waxed in the first round by whoever they play but i think they have a strong chance to sort of be you know, right around, right above 500 in, 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 in that plan, maybe flirting with the sixth seed kind of room here, again, because they just have some general competence that, that the franchise hasn't had much in the last several years. And, and I don't know, I, I think Lonzo has such, has such an interesting career. He's actually one of the more fascinating players to me because what he came in heralded as, what he's sort of grown into as a bit more of a traditional 
three and D player, except he doesn't shoot traditionally and he doesn't defend traditionally. I mean, it's sort of odd. Like he actually fits the archetype without looking the part. Um, and, and so playing against or playing alongside a few of those guys in Chicago to me, um, you know, it's actually a pretty fun fit. I mean, him and Levine rolling together with DeRozan, you know, it creates a pretty fun sort of guard rotation or at least ball dominating rotation. Um, as I, as I think about them in, in the Eastern conference, but, um, so right. Where did you, where did you land on the bulls, the new look bulls now as you head into this year? Yeah, I think to your point, there was a cutoff, um, for the top six and then a gap and then try to figure out where to put really the next five teams. I think we'll kind of see where we all had them. I had the bulls nine, um, I, th- I think to your point, I, th- I think Lonzo and Levine is a really nice um, mix. I really like that. I think he is a really good complimentary player. I was disappointed that, you know, the Pelicans l- sort of let him leave. It seems like he'd be a really good fit with Zion or he'd be a really good fit with almost anybody who's ball dominant. Um, but I also like pass first players. So I'm a little bit biased. <laughs> Um, but I think I think he's good. I think Caruso's is decent off the bench. The DeRozan trade doesn't really make sense. I think he they gave up a lot for it for him. I know they're trying to win this year, but it's just the mix is just kind of kind of weird to me and what they're asking different guys to do. And to your point, you know, um, Williams adds a lot of athletic ability and sort of can fill some of the gaps they have, especially defensively. And so his injury does hurt. Um, but I, I think their best bet, and I, I could see putting them seven um, and being kind of the head of the plan, is just that they're going to, like, score some points. And if they stay healthy, you know, they could definitely rack up some wins against the, you know, bottom half to, you know, 60% of, of the conference. So, But I have them in ninth. Where would you have them, D? Uh, well, I think, Michael, that this is your uh, Atlanta Hawks 2020 fantasy team. Uh, I like the individual components uh, of the Chicago Bulls, but but I don't I don't think they're going to be a cohesive unit. I think DeRozan is going to be infringing on on Levine's turf. I think uh, I, I just don't. There's not enough not enough shots to go around with those two for for that position. Uh, I, I mean I like Vucevic, um, but I think you know they don't have the uh, Capellas and the John Collins. Those interior guys that can uh, bring other things to the table. So yeah, I have them at ten, and but I I almost put them at seven too. That being said, like I they're they're a team that was hard for me to predict because there is it's a good amount of firepower and and I like I like Lonzo too. I I think it's it's more of the uh, it's the wing situation and then maybe lack of kind of front court uh, depth. So. Uh, but tough call, but I got him at 10. I'm curious, where do you guys fall on, on Zach Levine as a player? I mean, obviously he hasn't had a lot of marquee moments given, you know, I think first with the Timberwolves, now with the Bulls. It's not like he's been in the playoffs ever, but, you know, he was played on the Olympic team this summer. He obviously can score the basketball in, in ways that, you know, not a lot of guys in the league can, but he's never really been on a winner. I mean, where do you guys find – where do you fall do- with, with a guy like Levine – um, do you know? Do you know what his shooting percentage was last year? I'm hoping. I know. I'm hoping this is a rhetorical guess. So what? what tell me. <laughs> I mean, fifty <laughs> percent. 
50%. Yeah. Yeah. He averaged, what, 26, 27 points a game, over three-pointers a game. Shoots free throws well. I get there's some intangibles you need to take a team to another level. But that's pretty impressive for someone who primarily shoots outside shots and has a 50% percentage. Curry last year was like 46. Of course, he was had a lot of uh, pressure and had to fire up a lot of shots, but uh, higher volume. But uh, I picked him in round two of fantasy. But again, fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I do like him. I guess I'm just having a crisis here because I think I've, I've viewed – Zach Levine in a similar light as Trey Young. I, I think these guys that <laughs> now you don't know what to think. Then. Well, just these guys that just seemingly get buckets, but but don't contribute to winning, right? And obviously that, that's sort of a dumb perspective in some ways, right? Scoring helps win. That's that's the most important thing you can often do in a basketball game. But at the same time, because these guys have never found success, I'm, I'm naturally I sort of ascribe you know, less value to their characteristics and their capabilities as players. And and I think after watching Trey do what he did, you kind of wonder, especially at the efficiency that Zach Levine can do it, right? I mean, how many threes he's shooting, how how good of a three-point shooter he is. I mean, you know, if he gets drafted 14th by the Jazz or whatever it was and he has the career of Donovan Mitchell – and they switch places. Like, is there is there is, is there that big yeah. of a difference, right? They're both sort of like really bouncy, athletic guys. They've become really, really good shooters. They're both sort of minus, you know, medium to minus defenders. It, what's the difference there? I don't. I, I guess I'm just having that thought process to me these days, where I kind of go, what you know, have I characterized Zach Levine in such a way where it's actually a caricature of who I think he is versus what he really is. And I think that did color my perspective of the Bulls, where you kind of go, ah, Levine's legit. I mean, that guy can get buckets in a really efficient way. But, Ryan, where do you fall with Levine? Yeah, it's really strange to say but because they're such different players, but I, I feel like if they um, sort of take a hard road with him or don't sort of kind of back up the, you know, Brinks truck for him, it's going to be a little bit of like Jimmy Butler 2.0 where you you say, well, this guy isn't the best player on a championship team. Now, they were they were wrong about Jimmy. <laughs> we saw him take a team to the finals, <laughs> almost win it. So Gar Foreman and John Paxson, talent evaluation, maybe not their strongest suit, um, at least at that point in their career. But I, 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 my point is, is I, I think what happens in the NBA is that we look at these teams and say, well, this guy can't win a title as the number one guy, so we got to move on from him. And I think that was the thinking that, and we can't give him the super max, we can't get t- tied to this guy because it's going to like submarine our franchise. Well, you know what submarines your franchise is when you get rid of like a top fifteen guy, <laughs> trying try and start over again and keep starting over over and over again. You get so, Chris Dunn in exchange. Yeah, you know exactly. You just you just kind of you like you just kind of restart so I, I feel like someone like that particularly in the modern game to your point michael about young about lillard there's like you know an offensive backcourt player ball dominator who can score efficiently and i think the criticism of levine in addition to defense is just his distribution is is not high but again like there's just not that many guys like him i mean he's on the olympic team like he can he can play at an incredibly high level and so I just don't know if they've put the guys around him to really try and make him su- successful. I mean, I think 
Pukovic is, Pukovic is a you know obviously a great offensive post player, and it's always great to have someone like that, even in the modern game. But it's just the mix is just strange to me. I think Ball fits, and again can kind of fill in those gaps for him in some ways for Levine, um, but the rest of the mix is a little bit suspect. Um, I'm, am I up next? Who'd you, I who'd you next. have in the seventh seed? Um, so, yeah, so there's a gap between six and the rest, but I was trying to think of the team I thought that could not only finish seventh, but could actually, like, jump into that next group, especially if, like, there's injuries or other things drop one of the top six down. And so number seven, I have the Toronto Raptors. No! Oh, um, bro. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, I love it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you go back to, like, when... I mean, they were a strong playoff team before they got absolutely, like, destroyed by COVID. Um, they were... I mean, people talk about the Celtics and, and who lost, like, the most games. Um, but the team um, that got just hit the hardest by COVID was by far the Raptors. They had to play in Florida throughout the season. So that's just right there is, like... Even without home fans, it's not being able to even be in your home city the entire year. Like, the bubble kept going for them. I mean, that's just, you know. It's insane. It's really sucks. Like, like families, I mean, I, just for listeners, I mean, there's whole families that just moved from Toronto to Tampa. Yeah. And no offense, like, Toronto's an awesome city. Like, yeah. everyone talks about, oh, it's the only team in Canada. Like, Toronto is, like top half of the league NBA city. It, it, it's an amazing city. No offense, what ranking Oklahoma is Tampa? City. Yeah, no, it's like not even on the, on the board. It's just Toronto is a stand in for New York in many movies, not just because the Canadian dollar is weaker than the U S dollar. It's like an amazing, beautiful city. Um, highly recommend it. It's been a nice vacation there. The summer's beautiful. Um, not the winter as much, but the summer's great. So they'll be back in Toronto. And and probably Marcus Soule, by the way, he didn't give the Lakers what they were looking for. But if they had like stayed in Toronto, he he may have just stayed on like a small contract. Maybe his Spanish pride would have got the best of him and he wouldn't have wanted to come back for like the minimum. But he wasn't going to Tampa, let's put it that way. Like the Gasols, they, they live in Memphis long enough. They're not they're not going back <laughs> to the small small NBA markets. So I think there was that. And then they just got like destroyed by COVID. Like I think their whole coaching staff was like out for a while. Like one of their assistants was was um was the coach for the Spanish Olympic team and he was like overseas and then he came back and he was gonna be their one coach because he was going through protocols and it was just absurd and and i think at their peak they were like a top half playoff team in the middle of the pack of the playoffs and they just went south so they have a really good coach they have seven i mean depending on you think about scotty barnes like how he'll perform this year they have six legit guys and scotty barnes um you know it seems like precious has given them a lot at least in the preseason we'll see if it continues on but you know we know Masai Jiri, like, he knows how to evaluate talent. So the fact that he got him for Lowry, um, you know, when he didn't trade him during the year, and he, he he must have known the Heat offer would be out there. And so and then Dragic, you know, he may get traded. He may get flipped to someone else at some point if they do struggle. But he's a good offensive player still. Um, Siakam's hurt, but he'll be back. They have Van Vliet. They have Trent. Like, they just have some guys. And I think – 
I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them to you know some greater than the you know the sum of the parts is greater than the individual pieces uh, this season. So I have them seven. Now, are we allowed to change these as we're going? If if someone makes a compelling argument oh, no. and you deeply regret that you don't have Toronto in your top ten, D Love, don't uh, do it, D Love. You 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 said the Suns had a big three, and we all you had the not only I think even bigger than picking the Hawks in the playoffs and getting shouted down by the Indy Brothers was saying that the Suns had a big three. Yeah, being shouted down. The problem by was is they had a big four. Yes, that became the running joke. You even yes. undersold yourself. I did. You even, you even said you liked Wiggins, and we gave you stuff about that. And Wiggins had a good year, so D love. Yes. Come on, man, you got you got this. Well, got what it, this. no, what it comes down to is you when you got to trust your gut, and you gotta you gotta stick with with what you know to be true, and don't let yourself be talked out of it. Don't be ambivalent. Uh, but I I don't know if it was the Siakam injury that kind of. I know he's going to come back in a couple of weeks, so I was like. Maybe they're gonna be. It's gonna be a rough start out of the gate, and so they were a team I was giving a lot of consideration to. But yeah, I don't have Toronto. I'm not. I'm just gonna stick with what I wrote down. I do not have them in the top ten. So I think this could be my big oh. regret. Yeah. So you probably want to know who I have at seven then. No, no, not no. Yet. We don't. We don't go. That. I'm sorry. Go sorry. Two. Right, right, right. Here up. The Toronto Raptors. Not in my top ten. Not even at 11, because I ranked all 15. I had the Whoa. Raptors at wow. 12. The brothers Mr. split. Ryan Eney. I, <laughs> wait, who else, who else is at? Wait. Who's 11? We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll who's 11? There. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, I could see having them at 11, and, like, I know the other teams are. I have no in, idea. In due time, I know you. I know, you, I know there was one draft pick. If your rookie of the year choice is who I think it is, the guy who's averaged five points and three assists a game in the preseason. Is that your eleventh? Is that your eleventh game? <laughs> yes. No. Sucks. It is oh, not. No. Okay. My, okay, my rookie okay. of the year is from the Western Conference, but we'll get to that okay. later too. Okay. 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 Uh, I wow. had the Raptors. Man, 12. you guys. So you had him seven. I had him twelve. What did, everything what did you Nick said, Nurse ever? Nick Nurse ever do to you? Everything guys? you said, I think. Is <laughs> Man. Wrong. I think Masai Ujiri, though, the one thing you did not factor in, Masai Ujiri got the godfather uh, offer that he'd been waiting for for multiple years. He became, uh, I don't, I mean, I think his title is Grand Poobah. I think is what it ended up being at the end of the day. I mean, he, he, he basically runs that franchise without being the owner, which he had been flirting around for three or four years, right? He had been suggested he was going to go to the Wizards. He suggested he go to the Knicks. Right, but I mean, I think at this point he is, if not in the upper echelon, he's like the best sort of basketball mind leader in the league. And I think what happened was the COVID thing decimated their roster, and they pretty intentionally kind of just took a victory lap and moved on with their lives for the rest of the year, and and resulted in getting the number four pick. And they picked Scotty Barnes, who seems to be quite interesting. And I actually think. They're going to use this year as one more bridge year for for Masai to basically They're going to tank. You're picking, you're picking <laughs> the tank. I think I like Dragic it. is mm. getting traded. I think Siakam is getting traded. And I think they're going to basically wow. tank the season to get one more pick and then basically rebound kind of right back up into the mix. Sort of a Van Vliet 
uh, Scotty Barnes, whoever this new lottery pick is, Gary Trent Jr. I mean, I think you reset. OG, Precious. Precious. I mean, I think you reset Trent for Powell, which I think at the time was a bit of a downgrade. Saved him a little bit of coin, but also just reset the age number. I mean, I think there's like a whole thing that Masai, to me, is doing, particularly now that he has the, the, the franchise reigns in totality for into perpetuity uh you know gives them the chance to really rebuild the franchise post championship and to me that that's where this is headed this year so i actually think if they wanted to they would be in that mix that seven eight space but i just think they're going to kind of mail the season in interesting because basically what you're saying is he is billy bean now he's like <laughs> he's bigger than his franchise in a way yeah. <laughs> He can just do, yeah, he could do, like, the craziest thing ever. Like, I mean, taking Scotty Barnes over Suggs was pretty controversial. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Tybal uh, so 2.0, right? Maybe a little yeah. more offensive game? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's very, I mean, you're right. I mean, he is saying that they're not a team of now. Um, so does he really want to have his, um, does he really want to finish seventh? You know, I think he probably he doesn't. Um, but I just think the group he has that's pretty is pretty good. And I, again, I think similarly to Atlanta, the young guys he's got are going to keep getting better. Um, so, but you're, it's a fair point. It's an interesting argument. Is like, will he intentionally submarine them? Um, but don't tell that to Van Fleet or Anobi. Those guys, uh, those guys play hard. You know. Well, that's the thing. I just don't know, like, can it, like, it worked last year. But in part, because, I mean, they were in fifth place. I mean, the East wasn't great last year, but they were in fifth place before they got just decimated by COVID. And that's when he bailed on it. So I do wonder if, like, it's the type of thing where, you know, maybe actually the right prediction is either out of the playoffs or like fourth (laughs) you want to revise yours yeah (laughs) well no i'm just saying like to michael's point it's like if they come out and just start rolling people like above expectations and like barnes is like oh wow that's why he was the fourth pick and uh, Dragic is you know Dragic is like fully engaged and like six manning it up and you know precious is like kind of like wow that was they gave up a lot for Lowry, if they if they started doing stuff like that, then it's. But I but I think like I mean I think Bill Simmons gives Zach Lowe our time about it that he always picks OG and nobody is like his like his breakout guy and he did it again this year actually too so it's like you know if o, if o, if OG becomes like the Siakam what we thought we hope Siakam was and what he was a couple of years ago like if he's a borderline All Star I don't know it just kind of gets hard for them to not to not be good. Um, but I mean, and he could be doing what what Masai I think is doing, and maybe this again is, gives credence to your guys' perspective is that he could be doing the thing where you get young guys on good contracts, and then you know, like it's basically if the if you have players in the NBA that are valued by the market at their dollar amount, or they're valued more highly than their dollar amount, like that's a very like that's very underrated value in a trade like we all know about draft picks we all know about controlled rookie contract talent you know about franchise type players but i think 
Like just having guys on good contracts that then, and I'm not talking about the next good contracts. We'll get to them in a minute, but like actual legit young players like Trent OG, like some of the guys they have on good deals. Um, that has a lot of value and that could give them grist to get another guy. I mean, I, I think he, I mean, I think Scotty Barnes will be good. I think he probably is really bummed. He didn't get top three. Um, I think he's really bummed that he didn't get three. I think he would have taken Mobley. Um, um, but, yeah, I mean, it'll be fun to see what happens. It's it's fun to see a guy who doesn't care and is just willing to shoot a shot. And um, Oh, it's great. I mean, it's our biggest criticism of any general manager is that they're, they're more invested in keeping their job than – than making the best, most optimal decision for the franchise, right? I mean, we do and in all sports. We criticize these guys, whether it's a last ditch effort to keep their job and they 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 are overly risky, right? Or the inverse, right? They're they're overly conservative because they don't have the cojones to to push their chips into the middle of the pot, right? But like one way or the other, you know, doesn't exist for a guy like Masai, who now again, who's sort of bigger than the Raptors in a lot of ways, as you know, I mean, you called the right. I mean, he's Billy Bean, right? I mean, he can kind of do whatever he wants, and say, "How do I do this?" Right? And, and his his assembling of talent is remarkable so far, given it's been on the fly in such a significant way. So, uh, I'm I'm excited for that. So, okay, so if you have, so if you, Derek, if you had the Bulls at ten, and the Raptors not in your top ten, who do you have at seven? Well, I I hate my seven team. Uh, I don't like it. I don't even, I don't even want to talk Wizards about it very seven? long. <laughs> the New York Knicks oh, have a seven. This team doesn't make any sense to me on paper. I don't like. I, I still can't wrap my mind around Julius Randle. He averaged twenty four, <laughs> ten, and six last Here's year. Thirteen NBA and thirteen All NBA and picking up right where he left off in the preseason. Even though the fantasy rankings were funny, everyone was like, the bus is going to be Julius Randle. Like, no one believes that he can do it. But he, I mean, <laughs> he went to a whole nother level this last year. So while they don't make sense on paper, I cannot argue with the results of last year. Uh, I thought Thibodeau was done as a coach, but whatever he figured out in New York, it it's working. So I think, like, Barrett is going to continue to get better. So uh, Fournier, I mean, you know, not the ideal two guard, but maybe he'll make a little contribution. Kemba, you know, just don't know what you're going to get with with that uh, wobbly knee. But I think he's going to at least it's going to be an upgrade and can give him something. So uh, Mitchell Robinson was hurt for most of the year. I think he's still hurt. So. I I don't know why I don't have a good reason why, but uh, <laughs> I don't. Do but, but we cannot argue with the results. So they have figured out something. There's no reason now for me to say they're going to be worse than they were last year. <laughs> Wait, there's no reason for you to say they'll be worse than they were last year, except you have them in what seed? <laughs> well, seven. <laughs> I mean, in four seeds like, in what seed? But you know, that was before you in know the, the Hawks turned. In the you know, yeah, yeah. No, so I um I have the Knicks in nine. I, I I have nothing more to add. I I echo everything you say. They're really good at defense, and at some point this team is all gonna they're all gonna turn on Thibodeau because Thibodeau's a maniac. <laughs> but until then, they'll be really good at defense and continue to be a pain in the ass to play against. That's year three they turn on Thibodeau. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they start referring to him as Thibodeau. But um, I uh, there's a, <laughs> there's a there's eleven teams. I'm so curious, Michael, who you had before the Raptors. But I I take your point. You're taking the, you know, you're taking Messiah's word that they're gonna you know submarine it. Um, but I thought there was eleven teams, or you know, outside the top six, there's about five teams to pick from. I have the Knicks actually out of the play-in. Whoa! Um, so I, 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 I've heard the argument for them, which is they had a really good defense, they couldn't score in the playoffs, so they went out and got some guys you can create offensively. The problem with that is they got. Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if people watch them play for the Celtics. I know Fournier played for the Magic all year. Uh, before that, maybe showed some bigger flashes. Um, Fournier did look great in the Olympics at times. Um, but I, I don't know. I just don't really see those guys um, sort of get making a difference offensively to the level they need while giving up so much on defense. So I think it's like – can they be like a top three defense, top five defense with those guys playing lots of minutes? I mean, they're not just bad defenders. They're like, you know, call the fire department defenders. I mean, it's really bad. Like Kim, Kimba is, they're both targeted. They're just like, they're just like the fresh meat, you know, it's the opening night of Shawshank prison. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, so uh, that's where that's where I struggle. They re-signed all these guys who I don't know. They basically just gave more money to a bunch of role players that they have. And I think the argument being they should bide their time and make a trade for a big time guy. Um, well, that's my question. So yeah, I mean that's the question I have: Is Derek's seven seed pick for the Knicks? Is that based on Lillard playing half the season in New York? <laughs> no comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just don't. I mean, I, I just when I went down the list, and obviously, I'm assuming the Raptors are going to try, or at least like Masai can't, like Masai, similarly when he didn't trade Lowry, you know, and showed him the respect, he'll show those guys the respect if he has to, and not mess with them too much if they're competing at a high level to start the season. I just don't like. I don't know. I felt like the Knicks and the Bulls was sort of a pu- push. The you know. You know, Knicks and a couple other teams were close. So I'm not saying they're 11th, like, by a lot. But it's just when I thought about them playing each other and I was like, I guess if they can keep the defense going with Kemba and Fournier playing good minutes, like, I mean, if that's the case, then Thibodeau deserves, or Thibodeau, whatever, he can be called whatever he wants. So There's no individual defenders. They are a system under, under Tibbs. You know, so he will find a way to compensate for uh, their weaknesses there. Yeah, yeah, and I I'm, think part, part part of it, I think you're right. Part of it is like recency bias of seeing them in the playoffs against a really like a, well, I think we all believe is a good team. Maybe we didn't know that to the level they were at the time, but just the, how much they struggled to score. And I just don't really see like like if if you were in that you know I guess they they won game one and then they just really struggled throughout. And if it was like game two, the Knicks fans are going crazy. Um, Young is like blowing chef kisses at them um they can't score it's the fourth quarter like if i if i saw evan fournier and kemba walker get off the bench to go check in the game i would be like <laughs> we're saved now now it's, we're gonna do this so 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 maybe that, that they can still finish seventh i think it's totally legit that they could finish the la- in the play in somewhere just because of tibbs and their 
their thing. I just I don't really get like the argument that like if Kemba is doesn't he'd have to make a serious recovery from his injuries to be even someone you'd want to play. Like he, I mean, he was like he was horrible. Um for them. I know it's the knee and he's struggling like injury wise, so it's it's not his fault, but it's just I just don't really see that. I think it's just more like can the same guy stay healthy? Um can the guys that got them there stay healthy and play and kind of do the same thing? And then you kind of earn the plan because of what they're doing and they buy their time to try and make a move. I just don't really understand like how these teams that don't already have a guy are going to get two guys though. Like if you, if the Knicks are basically like, as everyone like resigns their free agent contracts, like I just don't really understand the, the working theory or as Danny LaRue and I think another lawyer would say the theory of the case. I don't I don't really get it when it comes to the Knicks because if they are able to trade for Lillard, let's say, like Lillard says, I'm going to New York, I want to play in Madison Square Garden. Like they're gonna have Randall and Lillard. And what are they gonna to have to get someone else? Maybe they can get someone in free agency in like in two years. I just don't I don't really understand how the Knicks or the other teams like get to that point unless they can do the Durant Kyrie thing, which it seems like what everyone's at least like Bobby Marks is saying and pointing out is like, that's harder to do now because all these players are like signing the big deals and then forcing a trade, but it, it makes it really hard. You got to get someone through free agency. I think, right. Unless you already have one. Wait, it's the team that got Carmelo and Amari Stoudemire together. What do you mean they can't get two sides? <laughs> Fair. Touche. Do you love touche? <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, enough about the Knicks. Um, Thank you. Oh, man. Who's Only because it's the it's a regret that I have already. Should have Toronto in there. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I, I'm, I think I'm up next. I have... So I have the Bulls in seven, the Knicks in nine, and the Raptors out. My eighth seed is the Ryan's two seed, actually, the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> I think with the Hornets, I, you know, ultimately, I mean, we can get into all the dynamics here. I think they're well coached. But really, putting them in the playoffs is a bet on the mellow ball. I just think the way... He played last year as a rookie and what he brings to the table. Again, if he stays healthy the whole season, I just think he is, he is such a floor raiser for that team and they have enough other interesting guys. I think bridges is interesting. Um, I think some of the pieces they've pulled around. Right. And then, you know, if they're able to again, stay healthy as, as a team, I just, to me, it's hard. I'm hard pressed to look at the rest of the, the bottom of this conference and think that the Hornets aren't ascending into that, this plan area. And, and to me, you know, if, Lam- if Lamelo is what we think he is, then, you know, flirting with that eight seed. So that's where I have the Hornets. Do, do you guys have the Hornets in the mix? I do. I've got them at number nine. Um, not too much to add there. I mean, Mason Plumley <laughs> is their starting center. I mean, it's 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 an upgrade from Bismack Bismack Biombo. Is that how you pronounce? Or who who else did they have at center? Oh, Cody Zeller, our Blazers' new backup. So no, but it, like the Rozier was a pleasant surprise to them last year. I am worried about 
uh, Gordon Hayward's health because uh, if he goes down, which he's done, I think the last now several seasons, then uh, that's a concern. But I'm also uh, high on ball too. And like, I mean, PJ Washington, they've got guys like that and bridges that, uh, you know, they, they're solid and solid defenders. They're good role players. So um, they were a tough call. I, I was debating between, yeah, Charlotte, Toronto, um, one other team I'm forgetting, but I decided to go Charlotte number nine. <laughs> yeah, I have them 10. I, I think they're right in that, that mix. I think, yeah, I'm with you on ball. I just think it's like they have to assume they're going to play like a third of the season with, you know, Kelly Oubre getting the ball a lot um, when Hayward's not playing. So I think that's, as we saw, um, the Warriors, I guess he'll have the ball more, but it's just him playing off of a ball-dominant point guard, maybe not the best situation for him. Um, and then, I, yeah, I just don't – Plumlee's not my favorite NBA player, so the fact that he keeps getting, like, acquired or signed by free agents or trade, you know, people think he's an upgrade. doesn't really make sense to me, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I know Mike Krzyzewski is one of the most influential people in the history of basketball, so I, I, my He can pass. He can pass. My theory is he's uh, he's working behind the scenes ever since he put him on the he started him on the 2014 uh, World Cup team. Well, well, no, um, that's true. If Marshall Plumlee gets back in the league, <laughs> which of the Plumlee? Is that the Plumlee that went in the military? Yeah, I, I think that it was. Is. I think that was Coach Hay's favorite Plumlee. That was like, that's the full Coach K. That's like going full circle. Um, so yeah, I had them ten, um, and then I had. Uh, the last team in my group, I had the Pacers eight. Um, I feel like they're just a really weird team. Um, they're probably like with the Raptors for me that they could get better because they just have a lot of dudes, um, but then they just have a lot of dudes. And I, and I just don't really know. Like Brogdon signed an extension, so obviously I think they're saying he's – you know, central to what they're doing. And, and, it, and it was a mistake, the Bucks giving up on him and the way they did. But I don't know. They just they don't really seem to have a good mix. I, I do think Carlisle will get a lot more out of them offensively, and he'll definitely have them doing the right things offensively. Um, so, I, again, I could see them sneaking up higher, uh, but I just it's just a weird mix of players. And, the, and it's like they've sort of paid a lot of money for, like, marginal guys. I just feel like they have their their top guys are pretty good, but then they're not that great. And then they have a bunch of like six to eight like role player guys who they have to play a lot of minutes for them. And so I still think it's kind of a messy roster. So um, where did you guys have the Pacers? I actually have them out of the plan. Oh, I, I you, is that your eleventh team? Is it? This is they are uh, they are eleventh for me. Wow. So, and and honestly, I think this is a this is a challenge. I think the Carlisle hire, you know, anytime, anytime, I think they got eleventh last year, and they they basically had a brawl, and they really break you out on their own bench between <laughs> a player and a coach. And I think Carlisle. <laughs> that's that's the most influence Greg Foster ever had an NBA team in his entire <laughs> playing and coaching career. <laughs> well, and I just, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, Carlisle is his own kind of guy, but obviously he. He's a well-regarded coach. I mean, he, he kind of feels like a, a quintessential floor raiser as as a as a coach. 
Uh, and so do, I, do you I, have the wizards in the playoffs? Oh, you better believe it, baby. I can't oh, quit them. yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, Not in the, play, in the play in to be clear. I have him at 10. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's wonderful. That's so great. I just can't understand how the Wizards are not way better than they were last year, and they made the playoffs last year. I mean, really, I should have put them in, in, you know, solidly in the top eight, but I just didn't have the cojones. So, is your theory that most of the cities, the teams play, that, that would trade for Beal play in cities where vaccination is required, so that will prevent <laughs> trade? Is that... <laughs> Is there a lot going on? No, my at, at this point, my theory is that I think Beal's going to gun for an All NBA slot and try to get uh, uh, an extension on the supermax, and then and then push for and a then trade push for a trade. I mean, I think he's yeah. you know, I think there's been whether I think his actually his wife has alluded to the fact that like they like DC and they like money, uh, and I thought that was too. <laughs> combined dc is great those, DC's a great those town. two combined things re, re, if he me. actually won there it would be like it'd never be like you know wft level but it's the next thing i mean the caps and the nats won recently and you know those were northern virginia titles let's be honest you know those were like that did not bring the entire city the whole dmv together the you know team formerly known as the redskins would do that more than anyone, but the Wizards would be the next one. If Beal could get them going, if he has another, they can keep building something here and they can do something, that would be special. That would be really, really cool. So, but yeah, I like Okay, Ooh. maybe Michael, yeah. this year's wager is gonna be the Pacers will have a better season than the Wizards. Uh, I have the Pacers at number eight to fill out my, my top 10. And I think they are the closest to being this last year's Atlanta Hawks. Oh, the, <laughs> it's kidding me. I love you, it. You may think, uh, hey, there's talent and it just doesn't quite work. Maybe they're a fancy team. Sabonis, uh, I think everyone respects Sabonis as a, as a really good player. Uh, but there could be another level for him. I think Carlisle is going to be a mastermind to uh, – fully maximize uh Sabonis's output so uh and I they got a lot of depth I don't know what's going on with TJ Warren he, I don't know if he's gonna come <laughs> back come at back. all no. you got Jeremy Lamb um Miles Turner I, people have mixed feelings on Turner but uh, I think the Turner Sabonis uh front court can work so yeah, it'll work in the same league that Enos Cantor's an All Pro. So, <laughs> oh, fight hey, you had much you had much stronger fighting words when you were ripping the Hawks last year. So, <laughs> so I'm taking it with a grain of salt. Oh, man. I just love that Michael has the same team in both arguments. It's great. It's great. You're like Set. Chris, Ber- Chris Berman. For the old, the old in the audience, he used to always pick the Buffalo Bills every year for his, <laughs> his Super Bowl preview. <laughs> um, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie and, and Kuzma. Watch out for those guys, though. I, <laughs> set Kuzma free. I, no, seriously. I well, mean, I was going to ask Michael, has your, has your point of view changed on Corey Kispert or Kispert? I mean, I did, <laughs> at one point you you did a you did tell a story of well, when I know, played against him a pickup in, game uh, with in him. a high school gym a couple of years ago. I remember thinking he was a pretty solid a college player. Pick. I never, I, when I saw in a mock draft that he was going to be the tenth pick in the draft, I just about choked. 
So the fact he made to the he, he almost made the lottery. He's he's the difference maker for the Wizards this year. I don't, you know, I I just wanted it's an honorary pick really that they turned John Wall into the poo poo platter of, of 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 mediocre if not real NBA players. I mean, the fact that they flipped Wall, I guess, and a pick for Westbrook, and then flipped Westbrook into what they got from the Lakers. Not that that anybody's throwing a parade for them, but I just it's kind of remarkable that I mean they have a ha- half dozen. You know, real NBA guys now to me that that matters. I think, um, you know, particularly rolling up the ball. I think we talked about Westbrook as if he's sort of a floor raiser, and I actually skeptical he he is that. But I actually think the guys that have come around, you know, the Wizards this year, the, the eight or nine man rotation to me is pretty interesting. I mean, the bigs they have I think are fascinating, um, and then the guard play obviously will be pretty ball dominant and, and a little black holeish. But you know, again that kind of yeah like the shots have got to go somewhere right so that's ultimately where do you do you have the wizards out is that is that who you yeah they were my 12th they were my 12th behind the knicks but i I will say the one guy i really like for them that i hope gets more run and again i i think part of it is just um i think he's had some injuries um but I, I, would, I think Hachimura, it would be great to see him yeah. just get more more time. Um, I mean, he played – I guess he did play a lot last year, but I, I just – it even to play, like, play him at center some and just – like, he's a real athlete. Um, so, I, and I think just – I mean, to your point, Michael, I think the best argument for the – you know, for the Wizards is addition by subtraction. I mean, getting rid of Scotty Brooks, getting rid of Westbrook. You know, that's, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's definitely addition by subtraction <laughs> when it comes to them. So, well, this is fun. I mean, it's fun that the, the bottom of the East, Eastern Conference barrel really gets us, uh, gets the juices flowing. So I can't wait till we work through the West. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3 and D Love NBA Podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember, throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast. It's a triumph of the human spirit.